Hallelujah. Our hope is in the Lord, isn't it? Amen. I appreciate the goodness of the Lord. Let's just lift our hands and love Him. Heavenly Father, I appreciate You. Thank You for being good to us. Thank You for Your blessings. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'd like to read three verses of Scripture. And uh, then we're going to study for a few moments uh, from the Word of God. We're going to be a little bit shorter tonight because we are in the process of moving. This is our last service in, uh, in this particular location. And we'll be moving to uh, the new location for our worship service on Sunday at the same time uh, at the 1.30 hour there at uh, uh, in Monrovia at the corner, as was said, of uh, Foothill in Myrtle, right across from Coffee Bean, for those of you that that, that rings a bell for. And uh, so we want to encourage you to be a part of this service. It's a transition time. It's uh, a little different. and uh, But we know that God's in control. How many believe God's always in control? Amen. We get anxious about stuff sometimes, but there's no need to be anxious because we know and trust and believe that uh, ultimately God is in control. And uh, next Tuesday night, uh, at the same time, we will be meeting there at the new location for Bible study and Bridge Student Network and our Life Kids. So uh, it's going to be a great time. In the First Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse 23, we read this verse last week. But we want to continue in this stream of thought. First Thessalonians 5 and 23, the Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Holy, as in with a W, which means completely. Everybody say completely. Completely, every part of you. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here the, the tripartite nature of a human being body soul and spirit and the prayer here is the apostle said that the peace of God would sanctify you wholly or completely and then in first Timothy uh, chapter 4 first um, Timothy chapter 4 uh, I'm going to read from the NIV starting uh, toward the end of chapter uh, verse 7 first Timothy chapter 4 and toward the end of verse 7 the Bible says, spend your time and energy. Spend your time and energy training yourself for spiritual fitness or exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Spend your time and energy training yourself for spiritual fitness. Verse 8, the NIV says this. It says, physical exercise has some value. But spiritual exercise is much more important. Every say, everybody say, muy importante. Más importante. For it, is, for it promises a reward both in this life and the next. Verse 9, this is true and everyone should accept it. So physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise, putting forth effort, training for spiritual fitness is more important because it has double double pronged rewards and uh, and then Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament chapter 10 uh, and uh, verse number 10 Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes is the preacher 1010 says if if the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge then must he put to more strength. Uh, but wisdom is profitable to direct. 
this is uh, old school language, but let me read to you from the New Living Translation this same verse. It says, using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. Everybody say, sharpen the blade. And uh, then it says, that's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. So using a dull axe requires a lot more strength. So use wisdom and sharpen the edge. And uh, for a few moments tonight, I want to just teach. And uh, I feel like God is prompting me as pastor and leader of the church to direct us to a time of uh, personal consecration. Uh, because the problem is we still live with our flesh. And uh, in our flesh uh, dwells a lot of uh, opportunities for darkness and pride and animosity and uh, things can creep in. And we have to reboot, we have to renew, and we have to release some things uh, like uh, we've preached before. Like all animals have to release uh, either their skin or their exoskeleton or their fur or their feathers through a molting process in order for God to do what he wants to do for us in the next season. Sometimes we have to release and, uh, and, and reboot, and all of us have to do this. This renewal is, is essential for all of us. And so uh, I, I'm going to make some of you nervous or unhappy right now, but over the next couple weeks we're going to be uh, doing some fasting. And uh, I haven't done this in years, but the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me that we need to wash one another's feet. Uh, we need to do what the scripture says, and uh, um, I know some of you are like, tell me when that is so I can miss that, that night, uh, but uh, uh, there's something about it, I, I, I can't explain it, but when, uh, when you do this uh, biblical practice that the, uh, the disciples did for one another, and then Jesus washed their feet, there's something about it, it just like lets all the air out of the balloon that's puffed you up, it's just like... Phew. And all of a sudden you realize that I'm here to serve my brothers and sisters and to esteem them higher than myself. And uh, so, uh, and we're going to do communion uh, this, uh, this coming Sunday if we're able to pull it off in the new venue. Uh, just preparing our hearts because God has great things for each of us he wants us to do this year. And in order to be used by God, we've got to be sanctified. And that's what I want to talk about tonight for a few moments, which is sanctified for use, sanctified for use. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for this group that have come to study your scriptures and to let the principles of the word of God be applied to their hearts and to their lives tonight. And we thank you, Jesus, that you've been good to us. We're really, really thankful for your mercy because all of us are here standing tonight on your grace and mercy. And we thank you for that. And we pray, Jesus, that uh, your word uh, and not just your word, but our application and obedience to your word will bring transformation to our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So our, our focus tonight is about being sanctified for use. And when I say for use, that means for God's purpose. And uh, when God saved you and me, he saved us because he had something he wanted to do through us. And all of us have different personalities, different gifts, different talents, different backgrounds, and different experiences. But God has given us these things so that we together can serve one another and as the body of Christ fulfill 
the mission of Jesus Christ. So as we focus tonight on being used or ready for service to God, the focus is not really about salvation. That's not what sanctification's focus is. Sanctification is about being useful to God. See, the word justification is about our salvation. We're justified uh, by grace and uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're justified. That's what provides our salvation. But sanctification is a process that we go through in our spiritual maturing. And then there are seasons of sanctification where we get prepared for God to use us. If you want to understand what I'm talking about, uh, don't raise your hand. You don't even have to wink or nod at me. But there are times, no doubt, in your life when uh, there comes an opportunity to pray for somebody. There comes an opportunity to witness to somebody, to speak a word of encouragement to somebody. And when you get ready to do it, something in you says, bro, you, you remember what you did last night? <laughs> you, you remember that attitude you showed? You remember that uh, habit you fell back into? And, uh, and so your ability for God to use you is hindered. And there has to be repentance and there has to be sanctification in order for there to be a flow of God's Spirit through you uh, to use you. And um, so there's a difference between being saved and being ready for service, ready for God to use you. Now the word uh, sanctify that we saw in, in the passage that we read in uh, the book of Thessalonians is... Uh, uh, fr comes from the Hebrew word. I know that the New Testament's written in Greek, but the word sanctified in the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word that shows up over and over and over and over again is kadesh. We talked last week the meaning of this. The root word means to make or pronounce something ceremonially or morally clean. Everybody say clean. Clean. How many have on clean clothes tonight? How many put, let me say it this way. How many put on clean clothes this morning? That's, that's probably more realistic. Uh, why do you guys do laundry? The reason you do laundry is because you run out of clothes to wear, right? At least uh, that's me. I'm like, I get to the bottom of the drawer, and I pull out the undershirts that have the yellow armpits, you know, at the, at the bottom of the barrel, you know, the stuff that you probably should have thrown away, but you keep it around just in case, right? So... Uh, we, we uh, do our laundry, we clean the clothes, we wash the clothes so we can use them. So we can use them. And so there is cleansing that happens that God wants us to go through a process of being sanctified or cleansed so that we can be used. So to be sanctified means to be observed or made either ceremonially or morally pure or clean in the Old Testament. Biblically, this word describes the process. Everybody say the process. The process whereby we separate from the world and set aside ourselves for God's use. This is what Kadesh means. It means to separate from the world and its influence and its residue and its stank and to be set apart for God's purpose, for something that we can do for Him. And uh, as we said before, the focus is not on salvation. It is on usefulness. But, here's a caveat, if you neglect sanctification, it can have salvation impact eventually. Alright? The point is, as we talked about, it's about usefulness, about being usable by God, usefulness. And when you look in the Bible, 
Jesus, in his teaching, he often taught uh, about Christian service or usefulness or making a difference. He described it as bearing fruit, right? He says, I want you to bear fruit. I don't want you just to suck up nutrients from the ground, but I want you to, to bear fruit, to make a difference, to impact lives, to be useful. And the point is, is in many of these verses, Jesus emphasized bearing fruit and said that if you don't bear fruit, then you'll be cut down. So the reality is, is I'm not just saved to soak up nutrients. I'm saved to serve. You guys with me? You believe what I said? You're saved to make a difference, to bear fruit, to help, to be a blessing. And so if you're in a, a situation where you're saved, but you're not useful, eventually, look what the Bible says. Jesus said in John 15, He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, ye can do nothing. It's not us. It's about being connected to him. And if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So the point which we'll look at here is we have to go through times of sanctification. You know why? Because our default is the flesh. Our default is darkness. That's what happens if we just kind of float along. Uh, we get dull spiritually. When we get disconnected. And so there are times when we kind of have to stop and, and, and put forth effort or exercise ourselves toward godliness in order to have this purging and cleansing to, trans to transpire in us. The, the passage said, exercise for spiritual fitness or for godliness. It takes time and it takes energy. Everybody says it takes focus. It doesn't just happen. Just like physical exercise doesn't just happen. You know, uh, I I'd like to go to the gym three or four times a week. I need to go to the gym three or four times a week. But uh, it doesn't just happen. I have to be intentional. I have to put it in my calendar. I have to set the alarm. I have to get up. I have to make it happen. And spiritual exercise or spiritual fitness is the same way. Unfortunately, you've got to give time and energy. You can't get fit without time and energy. And spiritually, it's the same way. Time and trouble. Time and energy. And train yourself to be godly. Godliness, the point is godliness and spirituality doesn't just come naturally any more than physical fitness comes naturally. It takes time and energy. It takes focus. So the question is, is on this evening, if you had to rate your spiritual fitness on a scale of 1 to 10, now some of you like, well, if we're talking physical fitness, I can give you a number right now. With uh, 1 being very, very poor, like at the point of death, and 10 being like ready to run a marathon. Well, spiritually, if you had to rate your spiritual fitness in that manner, where would you be? A one would be you're in very poor health. You're low on faith. Uh, you're not faithful in giving. Uh, you, you, uh, you don't provide your gifts or your abilities or your resources or your talent for the church. You're not very committed and uh, if you're a one, you probably need some exercise, right? And uh, a ten would be a person that's in great spiritual health with a strong and a growing faith, a, a giver, active and using...
gifts and resources to bless the church. Very committed to the church family. Very committed to their relationship with God. And most importantly, committed to Him. So, and here's the interesting thing. The same reasons that we give for not physically exercising, a lot of times are the same reasons we can give for not spiritually exercising. And the Bible says physical exercise has its benefits. It has its value. But it's limited. Whereas spiritual exercise or training yourself to be godly. Physical exercise is training yourself to be strong and healthy. Spiritual exercise, training yourself to be godly. It doesn't just happen automatically. Amen? You aren't godly just because you prayed through and got the Holy Ghost any more than you're physically fit because you had a roast beef dinner. You've got to be intentional and focused about it. And, uh, you know, we say, uh, well, I don't have any time to go to the gym. I, I, I have more important things to do. I don't really enjoy going to the gym. Well, the reality is you're probably not going to go to the gym. But that's why a lot of people neglect Bible study and prayer as well. They don't have time or they got more important things or they think more important things to do or they don't enjoy it. Amen. So let me just remind you here. When the Bible talks about our relationship with God and the journey to heaven, it uses phrases like this to describe it. It uses a race. Everybody say a race. A race is like a competition, right? It'll use a fight as an example. We're fighting. Another place it talks about a, a wrestling match or an obstacle course. The main idea with all of this is that our spiritual journey is going to include conflict with a foe, with an enemy, with an opponent, which is... Satan. And sometimes we forget that there's somebody out there to get us, right? There's somebody whose objective is to destroy. And when we fail to discern the assault of the enemy, we leave ourselves unprotected against a treacherous, ancient, skillful foe. So don't enter into this battle blinded by presumption, but be careful, the Bible says, and be vigilant and be watchful for your adversary. Like a roaring lion goeth about seeking whom he may devour. And the thing is, is not to sound the alarm bell or be scary tonight. I'm just telling you we've got to be vigilant. We've got to think about things. We've got to go through processes of sanctifying ourselves individually and as a church body because even good people get tripped up, right? And uh, there were, uh, even if you're on a lofty spiritual plane, that doesn't just uh, guarantee uh, that you're not subject to enemy attack. For instance, for example, uh, Adam was in paradise and he fell. Solomon wrote three books of the Bible and he fell. Lucifer was in a high place. He was a worship leader in heaven and he fell. And Jesus said this, the love of many will wax cold. So we have to go through times where we assess where are we what what is my spiritual condition and what do i need to do because uh, we can use the physical example again you wake up and you realize man i haven't been to the gym in three months and uh i've been avoiding the scale and my pants are too tight now 
and all of these things, right? And so you've got to assess, hey, I need uh, my blood pressure's getting high. It can even become serious, more, more than just a, a laughing matter that uh, uh, I'm having chest pains, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pressure and stress. And, and physically, you assess the issue. But spiritually, sometimes we don't recognize it because we become very dull. Remember this, the enemy is looking for something in us that he can use. Uh, the, the enemy said of Jesus that he had nothing, that Jesus said he has nothing in me. And for instance, during Jesus' 40 days of fasting and prayer, at the end of that fasting and prayer, the enemy finally left off tempting him because there was nothing for him to work with. So the point is, is we as human beings, we have certain things dwelling in us that the adversary can use against us. He counts on our thoughts and attitudes and opinions which are in agreement with evil because that's what he can use. That's what he can use against us. Now, can we all agree that the enemy dwells in darkness? Right? And not physical dark. We're not talking about he, he dwells in a cave somewhere. But we're talking about spiritual darkness is where the enemy dwells. In, in Jude 6 it says, Satan and the other fallen angels are in bonds of darkness. And so in moral darkness is where the enemy dwells. It's not when the lights are out, you don't have to worry, oh, the devil's in here now because the lights are out. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about moral darkness. And what is moral darkness? It's not the absence of light, but it's the absence of God who is light. In any areas of our life where we push God out, it becomes areas of darkness where the enemy has an inroad. And Jesus Christ is the one who delivered us from darkness. However, when we tolerate darkness through tolerating sin, what we do is we leave ourselves vulnerable for the attack of the enemy. When we disobey God's word willfully, there is spiritual darkness and potential for the activity of the enemy to work in. Luke, Luke eleven thirty five says it this way. Take heed, or everybody say, be careful. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. Wow. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light. Take heed and be careful that the light which is in thee be not darkness darkness don't let the light go out don't let areas of disobedience in your life crowd out the light and we be honest this happens right we in our lives we kind of start allowing some things and some attitudes in that, that we didn't used to allow uh, some thoughts some feelings some habits some uh, things in our thought life and it and it, it it provides a dispensation of darkness and we allow for that well we give the enemy a foothold to work against us. And so what is sanctification? Sanctification is going through and ridding ourselves of any darkness and allowing the enemy, any place that he would have in our life, pushing that out through seasons of focused spiritual discipline. And uh, uh, we're not, the Bible says, do not make place for the devil because the devil can operate in any area of darkness even that darkness that still exists or may exist again in the heart of a believer. So if you're going to engage the enemy, you want to be in good spiritual condition and spiritually fit and in your right mind. 
Now think about this. This is where, you know, we kind of need a wake-up call. Everybody say, wake-up call. Shake your neighbor right now because they're falling asleep. Wake-up call. And uh, because um, if you miss brushing your teeth, judgment is not going to strike your mouth immediately. Right? But it's through the habit or habitually missing brushing your teeth that judgment comes in to your mouth. And uh, what about this? Uh, uh, Heart attack doesn't happen overnight. Or like you have one cheeseburger and like, uh uh-oh, here comes the heart attack. It's a result of something being neglected or ignored or a habit being allowed over and over and over again. And guess what? Judgment seeps in sometimes. It's about, it's because we've delayed or ignored the need for maintenance or sanctification. And things start seeping in that can cause serious problems. Adultery doesn't strike a family overnight. Divorce doesn't come just like out of the blue. Addiction doesn't just happen one day. Any of these vices of the enemy are things that creep in because there's a growing dispensation of darkness that's allowed and people haven't said, okay, I need to stop for a minute and assess where I am. Examine. The Bible says before you take communion, examine yourself. Just look at what have I allowed? What, what part of me is making room for the devil, whether it's feelings or an attitude or actions or things that, that, that I've allowed into my life. And I, I'm, I'm not here to make you uncomfortable tonight because God wants to use you. God wants to do a work in our lives. And sometimes we need just some straight talk, amen? We need some straight talk. And those of you that are engaging this week in the media fast with us, you're probably recognizing already that something's happening in your mind. Are you noticing that already? Some of you are like, we're stressed out, anxious, fearful, worried because of the news and because of Facebook, and all of a sudden you unplugged and you're like, what am I so worried about, you know? <laughs> what am I so stressed about? And, and uh, some of you, uh, your, your fleshly appetites were on overdrive, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, look, look, at, look at something's changing in me. Uh, uh, driving, let, let me just encourage you this week, if, you, if you're not doing it, start, start tomorrow. Start tomorrow. You got some time to do it. Just uh, uh, log out of Facebook, log out of all the social media, and uh, uh, and then uh, take a week where you don't watch any television, uh, any news, read anything, but uh, devotional, spiritually uplifting things like the Bible or books. Uh, for instance, I started reading uh, uh, Saturday night sun- or Sunday Sunday night. Uh, because I didn't come home and just crash and, and uh, veg out. I started reading the book that was recommended in the marriage seminar, uh, um, Raising Up Girls. So I'm reading this book and, and re- reading, uh, receiving inspiration and being a better father. And, uh, and guess what? You know, there's a lot of things that God wants to do in you. You just ha- don't, haven't given him any time for it. Spiritual growth, development, mental development. Uh, uh, and, and so I, I want to encourage you to do this this weekend. When you're driving in your car, if you're going to listen to the radio, just listen to gospel music or, or spiritual music or Christian music uh, and, and watch what happens to your mind. It's a rebooting. It's a purging. It, it is, it is a, a cleansing that's happening. Amen. And uh, um, things, things of this world creep in on us. And uh, sometimes we don't see the warning signs, and so we need to be awakened. Now, let me talk to you about a warning sign that, uh, that you need renewal, that you need to go through this uh, time of spiritual 
purging, cleansing, and sanctification. Um, Sometimes it's not about sin. Sometimes it's not even about doing anything disobedient. But we seem to have kind of lost our effectiveness spiritually and at working for God. We we don't seem as effective as we used to be. And uh, our passion for God has kind of gone down a little bit. Are you guys with me right now? Anybody ever been there before? Amen. And uh, I'm not going to ask, but some of you are there right now. You're like, I'm still faithful. I'm still coming to church. But I, I don't feel like I'm a good, very good witness like I was. I, I haven't been bringing people to church. And I uh, haven't been praying like I, like I was. And, and uh, I, I don't feel like the excitement and worship, the passions just come down. But I'm still here. You know, I'm still doing my duty. I'm still showing up. And, uh, uh, but sometimes life begins to wear you down. And uh, you get worn down to the point where serving God seems like one more appointment on your calendar between work and meals and appointments with your, taking your kids places and then churches is one of the things. It's like you're just trying to get it all done because we're so busy, right? And life begins to wear us down. And maybe you just feel weary even of your routine at work. You're not really making any progress. You don't feel any joy there anymore. And, and we're, we're talking about symptoms as you just kind of assess where you are. And then uh, maybe you find, yourself, you, you find yourself flaring up in your relationships. Losing your temper. Losing control of your emotions with your family and with your friends. In the meantime, you're going through the religious routine Going through worship without brokenness and without passion. And, uh, um, you know, we, we, we all can be guilty of this in a, in a uh, spiritual atmosphere, a spirit-filled church. Uh, we know when to clap our hands. We know when to lift our hands. We, we even know, can we be honest, we even know how to put on the cry face when we need to. But it's like our mind's somewhere else, you know, and we're so busy and we've kind of lost that ability to just melt in the presence of God and let His Spirit just sweep over us and, and renew us and refresh us. What, what, the way I would describe this is, is growing dull. Growing dull. Scripture we read in Ecclesiastes said, if you use a dull axe, it's going to take a lot more work. So use wisdom and sharpen the edge. You've got to kind of pause for a minute. Because uh, sometimes in, in our spiritual life, you know, we're, in, in a sense, we're swinging the axe, working for God, trying to raise our kids, trying to be a godly witness, and we're swinging the axe, and it's just rhythm and routine until the edge is completely dull and we're not making much progress. Th- this is a result of of uh, going through the routine without pausing for sanctification, without pausing to let God do in us what he needs to do to make us more useful and, and effective. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend the first four hours sharpening the axe, getting it ready, because I'm, I'm going to work smarter, not harder. I'm going to use an edge that's been, uh, that's been sharpened. Because using an axe that, that's dull requires more physical effort and more time to cut down the tree. 
You, it takes more effort, more time to cut down the same number of trees as using a well-sharpened axe. you guys understand that? You're like, well, we're not lumberjacks. But there, it, it's true. It's true. I mean, you guys have used knives that are dull before, and it's frustrating trying to cut, uh, cut the turkey, cut, cut roast beef, whatever it is, uh, with, a, with a knife that's dull. And every believer loses the edge in their life from time to time. We lose our usefulness. We use our effectiveness. People that have been in church for years and new believers, we lose our edge. And then when we lose our edge, guess what we have to do then? We have to go in our own strength. And it makes us even more dull, even more ineffective, and even more dangerous. So I'm saying, God at this season right now, you're speaking to us that you have a great work that you want each of us to be involved in with our unique gifts and uh, talents and abilities. But you don't want us in our flesh to do what we can do through our effort. But you have given us the ability, but we need to sharpen the edge. This is something we've got to pause to do. Just like in the Old Testament, the, uh, um, the, the uh, priest didn't just come sauntering into the holy place to do the work of God. There was sanctification that happened first. And this sanctification, if you haven't drawn the parallel here, is this process of sharpening the edge so that when we begin to work for God, we're going to be useful. When the seasons come around, we're going to bear fruit. We're going to be something that God can use. Amen? Somebody shout Amen. So I believe that when we declare a fast for spiritual reasons, it's a means of interrupting the dulling effects of life's routine. Because when you fast, you get out of the routine, right? Some of you have noticed that this week, even with the media fast, it's like your life's just been ba 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 one thing after another, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this is different. And it's for spiritual reasons, not just random, just something random we do. But we are watching our intake take this week. And with this media fast, we are interrupting just the rhythm of life that dulls us. So, see, think about this spiritually. Let's talk about the media fast right now. Spiritually, just being bombarded with media, the negative news, the uh, uh, sin, uh, sexuality, perversion. It's just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you just flip through the channels and it's one ridiculously filthy thing after another. It is what it is. I'm sorry. Right? And guess what that does to you spiritually? As you regularly, daily, are feeding on that. What is it doing to you spiritually? It's dulling your effectiveness. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means when you try, you, you try to let God use you, it's like you're just trying to chop down a tree with a sledgehammer. You have no edge. There's no edge. And so there's got to be a, a pause where for a moment we're like, okay, God, I need to, I need to declare fast and pull away from the dulling effect of, 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 uh, of life's rhythm and begin to regain the edge. Praise God. And this will prepare the way for you to accomplish much more through the power of the Holy Ghost than you ever could with your own strength. Somebody say amen to that. All right, now I shared this uh, with our church a number of years ago that there are uh, 
three tools that are used, three things that are used to sharpen an axe. The three things that are used to sharpen an axe, number one is the grind, which is kind of more of a rough stone, and then number two is the smooth stone, and then the, the third thing that, that they do is they use oil to get rid of the shavings and the fragments and the dirt. So it's three tools in this process to get everything off. Amen? So with, with sharpening, they're getting rid of all the stuff, the dirt. They're, they're bringing back the edge, and they're, they're, they're uh, uh, cleansing it. So what, what are some, what's some dirt that gets into our life? Uh, let's use an acronym, acronym, D-I-R-T, dirt. Well, the first dirt is disobedience. Whenever we allow disobedience into our life to the word of God, it, it makes room for the enemy, and it needs to be cleansed. Uh, second, secondly is ignorance. If you're not reading the Bible, you're going to be just doing things without understanding. And then R is rebellion. That means willfully doing things uh, that are contrary to the will of God. And T is your tongue. <laughs> and we, we need to cleanse these things. And the three tools that are used to sharpen an axe and spiritual sharpening, the three tools are, would anybody like to know what they are? The Word of God, prayer, and fasting. These are the three tools that can bring back your spiritual edge. The Word of God, prayer, and fasting. And so what is it? If, you, if, you're, if your edge is dull, don't think, I'm just going to swing harder and that will make it sharp. I'm just going to swing more and that will make it sharp. Because in, in the rhythm of serving God and working for God and teaching, preaching, trying to disciple people, doing the work of God, staying faithful, trying to raise your kids, you're going to get dull. You're going to get dull. But these three things is, are what we want to apply. We want to apply the word of God. So the point is, is during this media fast, if you're not reading your Bible, you're wasting an opportunity. Right? You're wasting an opportunity because you've got time now. Read your Bible. Read uh, books or things that are, that are, that are spiritually uh, enhancing. Let the word of God begin to work. And, and begin to pray, amen, and, and fasting. These three tools have the ability to bring back the edge so that our usefulness and effectiveness can be maximized again. Now, some people are like, I know there are people that are like, I, I, I believe in prayer. I believe prayer is important. Now, they don't say this, right? <laughs> but this is the reality. I believe in prayer. I believe in the Word of God. I believe in church. I believe in worship. I like good music and singing and praying in the altar. But fasting, mm, I think I can do it without fasting. I'll just pray extra hard, all right? And, uh, or how about this? You, you fast and I'll pray. <laughs> and, uh, but here's the thing. If Jesus could have done his work without fasting, why did he do it? Why did Jesus fast? Why? Because there's a place of power and anointing and usefulness that we can never experience without being led into the wilderness coming away from everything to seek God through prayer and fasting. In a wilderness, sometimes God leads you to a place where you can regain your edge, where uh, it's not the most exciting time or the most pleasant of times. And uh, like sharpening an axe, fasting is a short season that produces lasting results. You pause for a minute to bring back your effectiveness, and it lasts. 
So if you're tired of dull church, I, I hear, heard people say before, well, I just don't feel the power of God in church anymore. I want to go back to the little church back over around the corner there where I felt the power of God. I don't think God's diminished anywhere, in any way. And I don't think the location's the issue. Are you guys with me? What you need to do is resharpen the axe. Amen? If you're tired of a cold, dry, barren relationship with Jesus, it's time to regain the edge. It's time to declare a spiritual fast. Amen? And, and the, the thing about fasting, why it makes a difference, is it's not a requirement. It's a choice. And you are choosing to pause. You are choosing to take steps that are going to bring spiritual effectiveness back into your life. It's a choice to break out of the routine and draw close to God. Draw close to the Lord. It's, it's a short season that brings long-term results. And those of you who have been serving God for a while, you know it makes a difference, right? Right? You really know it makes a difference. Sometimes you forget over time, and you're wondering, oh, I'm struggling, I'm not doing very good, I'm not being very faithful, I'm losing ground, what do I need to do? Pray for me, pastor, pray for my family, pray for, and, uh, and I'm, I'm happy to pray for you, but I know the reality is, is you need to pause. And, and, and if you will just take some time and fast and pray and, and, and push out the world, separate yourself from the world, draw close to God. This is what sanctification is. What it's going to do is it's going to last for a while. It's going to bring back an edge. It's going to bring back effectiveness, a keenness, a spiritual sensitivity, a spiritual power and authority that's going to last for a while. Because when you sharpen that axe, you don't just get two or three blows at the tree with it sharp. It's sharp for a while. Amen? It's sharp for a while. And it's pausing for a minute to say, God, I've allowed uh, myself to get a little bit blunt. Uh, I've lost my ability to be effective because this world has just had its effect on me. I want to stop. I want to pause. I want to spend some time with you. I want to intentionally take these tools and bring back the edge. Amen? Praise God. And uh, whenever a wise lumberjack would be asked, he, he, he would say, if you take breaks and sharpen your axe, you'll cut down more trees in a day. The young lumberjacks are out there just trying to do as many as they can. The older guys are taking a break and sharpening the axe again, and they get more effectiveness. They get more done. Amen? And so this is what we're doing. And, and I feel like uh, God's speaking to us to go on a time of fasting. Now, don't get nervous. We're not going to do 40 days of fasting and prayer. Some people are already like, oh, God, we're, what are we doing? And uh, we're doing the media fast through this Saturday. However... There are some people God's going to speak to you. God's going to speak to you during this time and say, can you tell? Can you tell the difference this was making? So why don't you either, and I'm not talking to you, I'm not telling you to do this, but if the Spirit of God may say to you, why don't you extend this? Or why don't you put some boundaries in place? Or why don't you put limits on what you will? Because the deal is, is don't go on a media fast and then the next day start watching filth again. I mean, that's silly, right? But then maybe, maybe, because here's what fasting does. It makes you aware of the effect of sin. It makes it keen again. It makes you sensitive again. That's why you have to do it regularly. Because once you come off a fast, a uh, media fast, and then, and then uh, uh, a fast from food, you're spiritually in tune, you're spiritually keen. 
But then as time passes, you lose it again. And you're, you're just taking stuff into your spirit, darkness into your spirit, and you're not even realizing it. Shout amen. Amen. And so uh, I just want to let you know that you can get your edge back. You can get that effectiveness, that fire, that faith, that expectancy back. Amen? Praise God. And just that same fire that you had when you were first saved, before life's batterings and disappointments took away some of the edge. And what will happen during this, this time uh, of fasting as we go into fasting, I want to uh, encourage you to fast next week, uh, during the week Monday through Sunday, Monday through Saturday. Uh, I'm not asking you to do a total fast. Um, there are different options. You can do a, a juice fast. You can do Daniel fast during that time. But I would encourage you to take at least a day and do a fast with just water. And uh, as some of you, it, it's maybe time for you to go on a three-day fast, a three-day fast with just water. Some of you may uh, want to be a spiritual Hercules and go seven days on water. Um, the reality is I want God to be able to speak to you, but I want all of us to deny ourselves. Because this is a, a kind of the keystone of, of discipleship. If any man be my disciple, must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We've forgotten how to do that because we've lost our edge and as we're doing it god's going to cleanse the temple the trash is going to come out amen praise god and if we've lost our edge because of sin in our life fasting and prayer can help you and give you victory over addictions whether it's tobacco or drugs or alcohol pornography or secret sins there's power through this it, and, and another thing about fasting that's so powerful is what sin does is if you, you think of a pipeline like you're uh, a pipe in your plumbing sin clogs the pipeline of God's blessings that he wants to send to you in favor and effectiveness fasting is spiritual Drano amen spiritual Drano it opens it back up again so that you find yourself in the flow of God's favor and blessing and it, and it makes you sensitive as I said to the trash that tries to invade your life through uh, television and movies and so forth amen Praise God. So fasting and prayer will help you get your sensitivity back to the things of God. So I want you to invite God to come in and just look around, do an inspection, and maybe do a little bit of a, a, a demolition in your life, tear down who you are so that you can become what God wants you to be. Amen? And during the fast, everything inside of you is going to cry out for comfort. And uh, I'll just one Snickers bar. That'll be fine. That's all I need. Or I remember just lusting passionately for beef broth. I was like, that would be the greatest thing ever. That's all I would need for the rest of my life, just one sip of beef broth, one piece of steak. But if you say, stay focused on what you decide to do, this is what I want to encourage you with fasting. Whatever you do, whatever you decide to do, as you think about it between now and Monday, whatever you set out to do, do that. Don't like, well, I'm going to start out with a little bit of Daniel fast and maybe if, because uh, you do that, guess what? By 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you're looking for some chicken. You're like, boy, that was tough. Thank you, God. You really blessed me. Where's that chicken at? Uh, right? So the point is, is make up your mind while you're in your right mind. This is what I'm going to do this week. And then follow through with it. Because what you're doing is you're dethroning the king of your stomach. 
your stomach as king. And uh, as soon as you, 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 you find the kickback, the pushback, and the temptation, that's why you might want to share it with somebody, maybe with your spouse or uh, a close friend. This is what I want to do this week. It's what, let's, let's do this together. And then there's accountability rather than just in your mind say, I think I'm going to fast for three days. And you get a day and a half in and you're like, that's good. That's enough. Because what, you, what this is, is is following through. Because in, in our lives, we have to learn uh, to follow through. Praise God. Amen. Let's stand together. Uh, I'm going to just say a word of prayer, and um, then I'm going to have Ulysses give us any instructions. Um, and uh, I, I want you to just think about this. All the great men in the Bible, all the great men in the Bible fasted. Moses fasted. David fasted. Nehemiah, Daniel, Elijah, Paul, Peter, Jesus himself. Because what fasting is, it's feeding your spirit by neglecting your flesh. And we're usually doing the opposite. It was a big part of Jesus' life, prayer and fasting. So question is is can we make it a part of our lives we make it a part of our lives and uh i know that um sometimes it just takes a little bit we want everything done so quickly but we just got to pause and so as we uh head into this next week we want to do a time of focused fasting and and we we have some special prayer times at the church as well Uh, because god's going to take some things out of us cleanse us and sanctify us so that we can be useful. I want you to reach over and take the hand of the person next to you. And we're going to pray with one another right now. Hallelujah. God, you have a plan for my brother. You have a plan for my sister's life. And things that you want to do through them. God, I really believe that. Jesus, you saved them. Not just so they can go to heaven. But you saved them because there's something you want to do through them. And my prayer today, Jesus, is that uh, that you begin to speak to their heart, Lord. Areas of disobedience and areas of rebellion, areas, Lord Jesus, where uh, they've allowed resentment and anger to, to build up, Lord Jesus. Any of these areas in their life that's hindering your purpose, God, I pray that during this season that there would be a purging, that there would be a cleansing. Now I want you to pray for yourself while you're holding their hand. Lord, I, I know that now, now that I, I turn the spotlight in my own spirit, Lord God, I, I realize that uh, there's some things in there that's not like you, and I know it's uh, hindering my effectiveness, and I know I'm not going to be able to get them out just by thinking about it or just by hearing about it or even by recognizing it. But, Lord, there's got to be, I need your help. Uh, I need the help and the power of your word and prayer. And even during the season, Lord Jesus, uh, of fasting, I know uh, it's not going to feel good. It's not going to be a pleasant. It's not going to be enjoyable. I'm going to want it to be over quick. But in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord God, I want you to use me in this season. There's too much work to be done. Hallelujah, Lord God. There's too much uh, of a purpose. There's too much of a cause for me not to be prepared and ready for your use. Uh, In the name of Jesus Christ, uh, Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord that He loves us enough. He loves us enough to remind us. Amen. I'm excited already, not about the fasting, but about the results of it. 
in each and every one of us, in myself and in each of you included. So uh, we'll give more detail on Sunday in West Covina and in Monrovia, but I want to encourage you to, uh, to select for this upcoming week a time of fasting uh, and prayer.